Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another fabulous installment of Matt and Dennis, the Matt and Dennis podcast. My name is Matt Scarano. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined alongside, as always, by my uh, dear friend and co-host um, after a, a week or two hiatus during one of the best sports times of the year, Mr. Dennis Vinci. Dennis, good to see you again. How are you? I am well, Mateo. I am well. You look like you're well, sitting outside, basking in the Florida sunshine. We got the uh, the palm trees. Uh, I don't know if you can see them there. I can. It's a cute little bike you have. That's uh, That is Lauren's bike. Yeah, I'm outside on the balcony. Uh, sure. We did um, in our pre-show meeting, there is like a, I don't know, if, like this is the part of the apartment building where like the air conditioning comes from, but there's a very loud noise happening which we made sure you cannot hear in the episode, which maybe you will. Um, not sure. But um, yeah, no, I, I was like, Dennis, I texted you earlier. I was like, it is, uh, it is beautiful. Well, I texted Lauren. I was like, I'm going to do the podcast outside today. It's it's absolutely gorgeous out. Um, but we've got a lot to get to. Um, enough about the weather. Uh, it's time to get down to business. Um Dennis, I want to wrap up with March Madness. I want to, I want to end there because I feel like that'll be the brunt. Um, but I got a couple of things that I want to talk about before. Um, as much as we poke fun at a baseball season is imminent. And um, one of my one of uh, my favorite episodes of recent recent past was when you and I said uh, over under, will the Yankees have an injured player? <laughs> Between the recording of that episode, which I think was late January, early February, correct me if I'm wrong, and the beginning of the season, and by God, were there plenty. Um, the entire starting pitching staff, uh, <laughs> the entire starting rotation seems to be hurt, and the Yankees are in mid-season form, and our good buddy Ellis, who, Dennis, I would love to have another conversation about what makes you a biased sports fan and what doesn't. I'd love to bring Ellis on about that. So I'm very curious, but um, our good buddy Ellis is, is jacked up about Yankee baseball season and gets mad at you, gets mad at me, gets mad at the group chat in general. How could you guys not be more excited about Yankee baseball? Dennis, it's the same thing every year. We haven't played a damn game and half the team's already hurt. Matt, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing uh, over and over and expecting different results uh, is, is what I believe. But De- Dennis, it's just like we're halfway. Th- we're, we're at the back end of March. Opening day isn't even here yet. And I feel like you and I like have uh, what's the what's the book they have in the Back to the Future? Um, the, the sports, sports that already tells you what's going to happen. I feel like we already have that. Like man, Dennis. The Yankees are going to start off terrible. Then they're going to look awesome. They're going to get us all jacked up again. Ellis will be saying, oh, the Yankees won. Matt's pissed off about it. And then the Yankees will suck again. And then it'll come to October. We'll back into the playoffs. The bats won't come alive. We'll get a decent pitching performance here and there. And we'll be singing the same tune over and over again. And I'll say it again. I hope I'm wrong. But, Dennis, when you talk to diehard Yankee fans like Ellis or anyone else, and they get mad at us for not being psyched up and wanting to dwell on football and just keep talking football. How can you blame us? 
Tell me I'm wrong. Matt, you can't. It's, <laughs> I mean, I guess I wanted to believe that we wouldn't see. I think were we coming off the Montez injury? Yeah. Is that what it was? And we were like, yeah, and there'd be no more. Like, I guess I just wanted to believe that it's impossible for the same thing to continue happening year after year. And yet here we are with another year, the multi- a multitude of injuries. Uh, there's one, one bright spot for this Yankee offseason heading into the season. We can probably get to it. I'm probably, I'm sure maybe you have it jotted down to get to as we talk baseball. Uh, but yeah, just, I'm sorry. We have March badness. That's what I'm concerned about. And the biggest golfing event in the world is a week away. I care more about that than I do about opening day. I found out yesterday or the day before that opening day is on Thursday. I did not know when baseball season started. I don't care. That, that was abrupt. Um, so that's, that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> no, it's, it's like as, as much as he should not be named, thinks I don't care. Like, man, I want to care so bad. But at least, like, you gotta, like, you got to make it entertaining for me. And it's, it's, I remember when I was living up in, in Michigan and huge not be named plus you plus maybe Kyle were getting on me about like, like we had a historically terrible start in the month of April. And he was like, Matt, the, the season's so long. And I'm like, yeah, but then we're going to be complaining at the end of September that we're a game or two out of the divisional record blah blah blah. Like, I think about things like that, and I'm like, how often have the Yankees gotten to October wishing that they had done better in April and May? And it's, like, in Florida, maybe it doesn't hit the same because the weather is always warm here. Back where you and I come from, Dennis, baseball was always a sign of that, that better weather days are ahead. And you have the Yankees who are, are always in it. They always find a way to be in it whether it be a historic performance or heroic performance, I should say, or they open up the, the piggy bank um, to make sure it's meaningful. But it's like, we don't doubt that the Yankees are going to be good. They will. We don't doubt that the Yankees will make the playoffs. They more than likely will. But we're so past that point. The standard is so much higher than that at this point. And it's, it's tough to sit here and be like, awesome. Now we get to sign up again for this eight month long experiment that'll end the same way it does every damn year. And when the season ended last year, we had our opinions. Where was Aaron judge going to go? What were they going to do with Aaron Boone? And, and I'll drop one quote of you and we could, we could move on. We could stop talking about, Yankees, even though opening day is going, we just want to shoot it to the side. Um, but I'm sitting at home after work and I watch, uh, I think it was Talking Yanks, uh, were the ones that posted it. And they were like, um, You said last year that uh, this player would have a breakout performance. I think it was Nestor Cortez. Like, you said Nestor Cortez would have this breakout performance and he did. Who is your guy before the season starts this year? Is there a same guy or is there another guy that you would say the same thing about? And he goes, I think Donaldson's going to have a great year. And I spit out my drink. <laughs> I, I spit out my drink and I hope I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't see, 
And if that happens, I will sing Josh Donaldson and Aaron Boone's praises. But that just shows me that Aaron Boone is, is out of touch and the front office brought him back because, as we said, he's a yes man. He will do what the front office wants them to do. He won't say anything hypercritical. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I mean, I, we can use that to kind of even pivot to what I kind of brought up and what I know you will bring up. But maybe he's not wrong. Maybe he's talked to him a bunch in the offseason. Maybe what he's shown or has seen in spring training and camp that he's still the at least half of the guy that he was in Oakland or Toronto and an MVP caliber guy. It's very likely that he could come out in a great season is batting 250, hitting 30 homers and driving in 85, 90 runs towards the middle back end of this lineup, or maybe works his way into a top four or five slot in the batting order. I, you know, that's, that's best case scenario. Absolute best case scenario. I just say, and even what you said with, I don't know, just the interest factor of I'm interested just because of all the rule changes in baseball. So I will do my best to tune in Thursday is going to be tough. Assuming the Yankees are playing one o'clock, like they normally do on opening day. It's right in the middle of the day, work day. I'm going to be busy. I'm not going to be able to really catch it. I'm not so much of a psycho that I will tape the game and rewatch it uh, later on. I'll just catch the next one or watch over the weekend, but uh, I'm interested in that. And I'm also interested because when you were started bringing up Cortez, there are opportunities for guys in this rotation this year, possibly in this bullpen, maybe guys that we can start rooting for guys that would have me interested to check in on the Yankees outside of every other fifth day when Garrett Cole takes the bump. But it that's best case scenario because it could go in a very bad direction. I don't think that the Yankees might just be a shoe in for the playoffs. I think Toronto is going to be very good and are poised to have a very good season. You know that the Rays are going to be there. The Red Sox are a dumpster fire. The Orioles were in the race last year for that wild card spot. I don't yes, see young teams like that are... regression. If there's a team that's going to regress, it could be the Yankees. The the Blue Jays are the favorite. They are currently, uh, I can't tell you what, like, specific outlets, but the Blue Jays are the favorite to win to win the division as of now. I think the Yankees are, I think they could stand toe-to-toe with Toronto. The Yankees are better than Boston. I think you want to talk about teams that are digressing. I think Tampa is going to be one. Um, and honestly, you know, not really necessarily tongue in cheek. Watch out for the Baltimore Orioles. They're they're getting better. I don't think it's tongue in cheek. It's a slow. It's a very slow moving process for the Orioles, but it is moving in the right direction. And Dennis, you know, I mean, I'll be so bold to say, as I think, as bad as the Red Sox are going to be this year, if the Yankees regress a tad, if Tampa regresses a bit more and they're on the outside looking in, it's not crazy to think that Baltimore is going to win. More than eighty game, more than eighty games, and have a above five hundred winning percentage when we come to the end of the season. What I I would disagree that they're going to win eighty. Would I say it's crazy? Probably not. Do I think they would win over eighty? No. But and I mean, Dennis, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I don't. Maybe as Toronto's gotten better over the years, Yankees fans have more ill will towards them. 
they've had certain players that are personalities. So maybe, maybe we have more of an issue with Toronto than we have in the past, but also like, and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I mean, this is me personally. I think AL East fans want Baltimore to do well. Like, I think if Baltimore does well again and is not the bottom dweller of not only the AL East, but Major League Baseball, I think if Baltimore does well, that that is better for Toronto, for the Yankees, for the Red Sox, for Tampa. I, I think people want Baltimore. Baltimore is a storied, storied team as much as they're, they've been the butt of a lot of jokes lately. They, they're a storied team with storied players. And I think Baltimore being good is a good thing. I agree with that to an extent. The hard part is if they are good and if they are better, it's going to be with a bunch of, you know, forgive me here, Baltimore scrubs, no names and a bunch of young guys that you would want to root for. And on the flip side of that, the Yankees have developed a bit of a rivalry with Tampa hating that team because they always have the Yankees number. And obviously there's Boston. So it would be hard for me at all. Obviously, all of baseball fandom. If the Orioles are making a push and they're close with the Yankees, say in a wild card race, that people aren't going to be rooting for the Orioles. And it's not going to have that same impact as if the Yankees were duking it out with Tampa or Boston. And I mean, I mean, to your point, you're going to have to sit here and be like, no, screw the Orioles. We have to beat them. Right. It might be baseball's darling. And I mean, I mean, to your point, you're saying that, which, which I think you're absolutely correct that if and when i don't think it's a matter of if i think it's a matter of when baltimore gets good and can compete again for a divisional title wild card spot it's going to be with a bunch of no names look at the tampa bay rays aside from longoria they they were and are still in a sense doing that exact same thing at dumpiest dump stadiums i've ever been to in my entire life where even in the, with a pretty much non-existent fan base, even in the World Series, they have to put some level of tarp over some level of seats. <laughs> um, but Dennis, yeah, you mentioned something I was going to go into. Feel good moment um, for the Yankees. I, I feel like with the aggression that you and I have towards them or lack thereof, uh, we don't get to celebrate these moments. But uh, Anthony Volpe. Um, named in a very dramatic sense, goes into the office. Aaron Boone's talking to him. Brian, the side of Brian Cashman's face is right there in the video, and they kind of talk it up like, you know, you've done a lot of good stuff, but we're about to send you back down to the farm system. Um, and they welcome him as a starting or a member of the starting roster uh, for the Yankees. Based on all his numbers, Dennis, you could have made the argument that last year he deserved to be there. And this year, based on the numbers he's done in spring training, which the Yankees, their win-loss record, you don't buy in any of that, has been pretty awful. But his performance has been great. We have a bunch of guys, you, I, he should not be named, have been saying, like, if we're not going to win the World Series or we're not going to be elite with the guys on our team, why not bring in these young guys? that are somewhat proven and see what they can do. 
step in the right direction. We're bringing in a guy that's proven himself. I'm excited about it. What, what are your thoughts? It was awesome to see the great uh, Mike Osa posting that video in our chat. And I mean, it did. It was kind of like, who's cutting onions? Like, you're starting to like go almost get a little misty. Yeah, at this incredible video. moment. What? I actually posted that video in the chat. I'll have you know. Oh, I'm sorry. He's just been, I thought it was him. He, re, maybe he reacted. I think, he, I think he, re, no, he said something about cutting onions after I. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, as cool as it was, one, what is Brian Cashman doing? He's just sitting there almost not looking at him. Like, it, was that supposed to be part of the act? Also, like, as cool of a moment as it is, like, to kind of fool him, it's the same type of guy hits a home run and the whole, um dugout ignores him because it's his first career whatever the hell like it's just douchey this poor kid pouring blood sweat and tears into this trying to make the show and Aaron Boone's just dragging it out uh you know uh I think you gotta develop it's I think you could develop in the big leagues like oh my god like it's great but at the same time it's like you gotta feel for this poor kid who's sitting there just like oh like, really, this is what I'm being called in for. Meanwhile, my douche of a GM can't even look me in the eye while this is happening. See, but you have to, you also, if you're, if you're Anthony Volpe and, and if you are any up and coming player at this point, you've seen that, you've seen those viral videos, you know, that's a thing. So that has to be partially in the back of his mind that that could be i don't know man i think it's such a big moment where he's sitting there and you can almost see it where he's trying to be a professional about it and like take the news and it's all right i'm gonna work my ass off i'm I'm gonna do whatever i can to help best suit this team and i know my day is coming but he's gonna walk out of there like mother god like why why god when is it my turn you got isaiah kind of falefa out there why can't i play and it's minor forever. So I, you know, I felt for him in that, but at least it's a happy moment. And when they did their little dap and bro hug, because Aaron Boone's young, hip, and cool. Oh. I can't stand this organization right now, Matt. I, as much as a happy moment comes, I can find negative elements in that happy moment. Right. And it's it's like I I can understand again. I, I'm giving this guy way too much airtime, but I can understand where he who should not be named comes from saying Matt's bias against for the Giants, hates the Yankees, blah, 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 blah. Dennis, I mean, I don't know if you're on my team on this or not, but even when the Giants suck, it's more entertaining than knowing what's going to happen with the Yankees six months before it actually happens. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, I, I, I want the Yankees to give me something to be excited about. Like, I, I really do. And like the last few years, like especially when I was in Michigan, roller coaster ride, vintage Yankees. Like you, you suck. Then you give hope, and you look like the best team in baseball. Then it comes back down to planet Earth, and it's the same teams that we can't, we can't beat, we can't figure out, and they do everything we do bad, they do well, and it's it's the yeah, and everything we do good, they do better. The Anthony Volpe thing gives me hope. That, you know, like, give, give these guys a chance. Let's build up again through the farm system. Let's not rely on Josh Donaldson hitting in 
Isaiah Kiner Falefer or vice versa. Let's we shouldn't have to rely on that. And and Aaron Hicks, that's that's another one. And it's just I, I have a big fear that we're gonna be heading in the exact same direction. And it's like I don't think the Yankees are gonna decline, as you kind of mentioned earlier, but I don't think we're gonna see an upgrade either. Like I I think we're gonna see knock on wood, obviously, injuries. What happens with that? I think we're going to see a same team, which before we leave Yankee and baseball conversation, opening day is uh, by the end of the week. What are your, if you had to give a prediction, I'll, I'll give you mine really quick and then I'll, I'll throw it to you. I do think the Yankees win the division, barely, barely by the skin of their teeth get like a, a one, one-and-a-half game advantage over Toronto to win the division, first-round exit uh, is my Yankee prediction for the year. It's a tough problem to have. Like, boo-hoo, Yankee fans. We're going to win 90 games. We're going to make the playoffs. Oh, we're not going to make the World Series. Oh, we're going to – oh, tough. You know, there's 20-something teams out there that wish they had that problem. Fan bases, I guess, too. But – I don't think the Yankees win the division. Toronto is loaded, loaded. I said last year that they would win the division. Should have bet with our good buddy Ellis about that, but I didn't. Uh, instead, I wasted my money on FanDuel betting the Yankee win total under this year. Not touching it because I have no idea what to expect. I think the Yankees will win 90 or more games. I think they will make the first wild card. I honestly think they will probably not have to worry about the wild card. They'll hold that four to six game lead. And then we'll have, you know, four or five teams battling for that last spot. And then, yeah, if depending on who they would draw, I think Houston's going to be very good again. Right. The central, I, I don't know. I, I think it's probably still a toss up. So I don't know who's going to win the central. Are the White Sox going to get their crap together? I don't know. So, yeah, I just – this is why I can't get excited because there's not – we've seen the story before. It'll be exciting here the first week. Ooh, baseball's back. Okay, blah, blah, blah. but then it's freaking seven more months of the same crap, complaining about the same things. And then Maybe so we're wrong, and that would be great. Maybe we'll have a, a legitimately interesting season. Everyone's going to have their bad days. We talk about it every year. They'll hit some stretch in the summertime. Dog days of baseball, but, you know, they'll lose 10 out of 15, whatever the hell, you know, everyone will have that. That's fine. But as long as that happens and it's, you don't have to pay attention to it because we came in still 10 games above 500 and we'll come out of that and win eight straight to then, you know, even out that little losing. So that's fine. But I, if Matt, if we see another start like last year, I will fully get checked out. Because yeah. it, we all threw you shade last year, and it, it was warranted. I hate panicking early. I hate, but it wasn't the, like it to was, your point, you panicked, and well, let's, get to, let's get to Memorial Day. Well, we got to Memorial Day, and they still sucked. It was two years ago. It was two years ago. Years ago. It wasn't two years? Oh no, two, yeah, it was the year after the COVID season. You're right. I was still in Michigan. You guys, you guys got on me, and then 
I mean, I, I think I, I was the one that had the last laugh because it got to September and we well, were yeah, you make this argument. You set yourself up to be the winner, no matter what you were the first one to panic. So it makes sense at the end, but you bail yourself out because the Yankees will still make the playoffs. But at the yeah. same time, what you said in March comes true. I gave that year. I gave zero predictions. I was pissed that we came out the gate looking terrible and everyone said, calm down. And I said, well, wait till we get to Labor Day when we're running behind Labor and, Day. and we're trying to get games. These were the games that we should have got, should have gotten that we'd be worried about. But the, besides the point, what are under the bridge? You and I both want the Yankees to succeed. We want to be excited about Yankee baseball again, but it's just, and, and, and you're right. And we, we joke about it between the two of us, that it's like almost first world problems. That, wow, we only, we only, we only won 90 games here. And then like, meanwhile, there are other teams out there. Then you, when those teams eventually make it, when you get the Detroit Tigers, the Kansas City Royals, they make it They're they're jazzed as all hell. The Seattle Mariners are jazzed all hell. We're like, God, all we got is 90 wins this year. What a joke. But that's, that's our upbringing. That's all, all you and I know. It's not our it, fault when we were 7 and 8 and really cognizant of what's going on in sports that the Yankees were the team of the decade. Sorry. Right. Sorry right. that we grew up and in our first rememberable years of watching baseball, the Yankees made the World Series every year. Right. And yeah. Oh, apologies, baseball world. Yep. That's, that's, wait. We're not rooting against the Yankees. We're just being cynical in a sense of just how they're run and how Dennis, you started the baseball segment saying, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So maybe we see something. Obviously, baseball will be king uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. And then it won't be again because the NFL draft will start up. <laughs> got a very um, short window very short window very, very short um that having been said let's let's move to the nfl very briefly there's some event happening i still dennis i've still not figured it out they're all sitting at tables outside brian dable apparently cracked the tall boy Coors Light at 11 30 this morning and they're wearing lanyards they're sitting at tables outdoors i don't know what this event is but there's some event where all the nfl coaches are at um and also in parentheses, I put Aaron Judge will be opening against the San Francisco Giants, which is notable. Um, what do you mean will be opening? Going back to football, like the opening days against the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. It would have been funny if uh, he was playing for the Giants, played against the Yankees. Um, anywho, um, notable NFL news John Mara at whatever this event is. Um, announced that um, he really wants Saquon Barkley to be a lifelong giant, which not necessarily shocking news, but followed by Joe Shane saying, we franchise tagged him, talked to him for a minute or so after that, haven't talked to him since. We kind of left the, left the table. Um, and Brian Dable's like, oh, yeah, I texted OBJ two weeks ago. We had a good conversation. So football is always king. A lot's going on. 
Obviously, we have Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley, you could understand being disappointed. I don't think he can be pissed, but I can understand he's disappointed. The Giants are trying to read the room, so to speak, with the, uh, with the running back market. Dennis, what do you think? Well, I will first start with uh, the GOAT that is our head coach, Brian Dable. I mean, come on, whatever this event is, I hope that's true, but couldn't you just see it? You could picture it, him sitting there, Cracking a beer. Can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning, boys. I mean, again, I want to kiss our football coach right on his big, beautiful, bald head. I can't get enough of him. Man of the people. Yeah. He's so opposite of Aaron Boone. We should just do one show one day where we compare the Yankees and the Giants and why we love one and hate the other. And yet one was so bad for so long. I digress. It's funny because the Yankees are so successful and are going to do like, if you had to compare success in baseball, the Yankees probably do a lot better than the Giants will generally, but the Giants are just so much more fun to root for. Maybe that's what we need. We need like some bad Yankee teams. We need a couple of like 70, 75 win years for us to appreciate them again. Sadly, there's such a well-oiled machine that that will never happen. And they're of the elitist of baseball teams. So whatever. Uh, like this, I would love. It would be hilarious if in a basically a month from now we get to the draft and Shane trades up and we draft Bijan Robinson in like the back end of the first round or early second round. Well, Saquon, you're here for a year after that. Hit the bricks. Like, so I, I mean, it's not news. You said it. They want Saquon to be here forever. Of course you do. You drafted him second overall. You've paid him millions of dollars. Now you're in a situation where you have to franchise him to even keep him because you certainly can't give him a contract. The guy's got injury problems. He's a running back, so how much time does he actually have left in the league? Like, we're not talking quarterback position or even, I guess, middle defense where you could project around a decade. So. I don't know. I I think he's here for a year. That's good. I don't really buy into so much that they haven't talked. I think that they got a deal done. Okay, everybody go enjoy their offseason. We're done talking about this because it's probably been talked about for the last six months of trying to get to a number, trying to get to a place that's agreeable for everybody. And that's a, that's more agency probably than Barkley. It's talking with suits that you don't want to deal with. So I don't really buy too much into that really all I got to say. I think what I buy into it and and you and I have given our predictions uh, obviously as the negotiating process has gone on with not only him but with, with Daniel Jones and I, I think he will be a lifelong giant. I do believe that. Um, my concern isn't as much that they will get it figured out or not get figured out what the number will be at the end of the day. It's I don't want our captain, or should say co-captain, leader, face of the franchise, whatever you want to call it, I don't want him to have a sour taste in his mouth. Like, I don't want there to be a, a – I don't know the way to describe it. Like, I don't, I don't want there to be a rift between him and the front office. I don't want there to be a rift in any manner 
with him in anything related to the Giants organization. Like, I want it to be like we're all on good terms. I love everything about it. I'm ready to rep this this team on and off the field in the local community. I want them to do all that. I don't want at the end of the day for the front office to be like, we think less of Saquon because he's asking whether we want to give him. And I don't want Saquon to think less of the front office because like that that's what I'm more concerned about. I, I I'm not losing sleep over it. I think it'll eventually pan out. But the concern is I just don't want there to be some kind of negative energy in the air uh, in the Meadowlands with the face of our franchise and the people that run it um, when we really need his, his face out there as you and I both agree this team is headed in a more positive direction. I think that's, that's my con- more of my concern more than what is the number on the piece of paper at the end of the day and, and what are the specifics of the contract and any of that? I'm not as concerned that can work out as I hope one party doesn't think less of the other and that causes a riff at the end of the day. I hope that that wouldn't be something he's thinking about. I think he's smart enough to know that this is a business. And at the end of the day, the reason you play your ass off, the reason you do what you do, is for the thousands of people that put their butts in the seats and maybe more so for the guys that are on the field with you, not the suits up top. They're just there to hopefully get you paid, take care of you, and let it be that. They don't, there doesn't have to be a relationship. And I don't think that would trickle down to Dable or any coaches that would then affect any on field issue. Yeah. No, I, I don't and, and I'm not saying that's what would what would happen because again, he's a he's a professional and he's he's one of the best, one of the classiest, says everything right in good days and bad. And that's so what I, I mean, but some people do let it affect him. I I just think Barkley is one of those guys that's above that. Yeah. No, and I, I, I it's it's I don't I don't doubt that even if like the negotiating process gets gets rocky or ugly that that, that would occur. I just, I, I wouldn't want even the slightest window to open for that to potentially happen. I, I just wouldn't want that to, I wouldn't want even like the slightest inkling of thought in Saquon's head that he has to go somewhere else because he's beloved in New York through very multiple, very untimely injuries that have caused him to miss a significant amount of time or have caused him to not be on his A game, or have caused him to not to maybe not take as many risks as he would with with this past season that was put to rest mm-hmm. because we saw him play like those injuries never happened. Um, he he's beloved, and I, I think yeah, I I just wouldn't want even the slightest bit of of cynicism to creep in because of the business side of things. To your point, I have no reason to believe that he would not be a professional and, and acknowledge that there is a business side to it and everyone here has a job to do. And, but it's, it's, it's just maybe concerning is not the right word, but it's, it's disheartening, I guess, that, that with the franchise tag, reports are coming out, he's not thrilled and reports are coming out. Uh, the team's not thrilled 
Well, it's easy with the franchise tag coming out to for him not to be thrilled. There's no guarantee. He goes out next year and gets hurt, and maybe it's – I mean, it could happen. It's happened to him a ton, and it's not at all his fault. But if that happens, he's screwed. He'll lose a ton of money. He probably won't be back in a giant uniform unless it's for a drastic pay cut. Or he'll, and he's going to have to go elsewhere and most likely compete, and it's not going to be for a lot of money. It's something that he's definitely worth. But right. the problem is, is he plays the wrong position, and you don't need a $16 million running back. And I, I, I think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm Saquon Barkley at that point, you think you're getting ready for bed at night or you're getting up for work in the morning, you look in the mirror, you're like, I'm in the biggest city in the world, one of, if not the biggest stage, playing for a team that's clearly on the up and up. They're giving me money. The fans love me. Every other person in the Meadowlands is wearing a Barkley jersey. Why would you leave that to, to your point? Have to battle for a starting position. Get a million more? I, I don't know. I guess I guess time will tell. Um, Dennis, anything uh, left to add on, uh, on that note? No. I am curious to see what this event that all these coaches – is it just coaches? Have you yeah. Seen it? Right now, they're all in like a hotel conference center. Frank Reich is on ESPN right now doing a press conference. Like, I have no idea what this is. Like, they're all they're all there. Pro Day. What is Dennis? What is Pro Day? Do you have any information on that? Well, every college athlete has a Pro Day. Well, it just says Pro Day on their lanyard, and they're all there. And like hotel conference room. Maybe it's something different that's actually like the league. Yeah. Like for instance, you know, pro day that these happened last week where I know Alabama, the college- Alabama on Friday had their pro day. Yeah. So Bryce Young threw for the first time. Will Anderson was there. Jamar Gibbs was there. Uh, name it. Everybody that's going to be drafted was working out. Even fringe guys. Kentucky had theirs. Will Levis was all oiled up throwing deep balls. Yeah, and here's everyone our- so high that he hit the ceiling. There he is. What a sexy looking man. He is, he's very sexy, but he looks what, like he's what, on trial. Like, what is this? I don't know. I don't, what is this the bigger question know. is why do you have Christmas lights on your floor? I've what I've been doing. I've been there for two years now. It's March. Um, yeah, it's always program. Been. Dan Orlovsky is gonna lecture me and Daniel Jones. I don't think so. Um Friday you come. Dennis, we will uh, move on to probably what you're most looking forward to in this episode, and we will uh, close it out with this. I know we're going to spend some time on it. March Madness, uh, bum that we didn't really do more shows during it, but it's uh, it's coming to a close. Uh, the next uh, the next episode we do after this, March Madness will be over. Uh, four teams in the Final Four. San Diego State. Are there four? Florida Atlantic. There are four. Four teams in the Final Four. What do you what do you know? Miami. I know that's how it works. And the University of Connecticut Huskies. Um, Huskies. The uh I mean, we'll start here, but it's UConn's uh UConn's final four, UConn's tournament to lose uh at this point. They are by far, at least on paper, the best team. What they did to Gonzaga. 
Gonzaga was going to be their first real test, and they laid the hammer down on them. Um, but Dennis, we haven't done an episode really uh, since before the tournament. We haven't done a single reaction to any game that's happened. So I'd like to start towards the beginning. Um, some of your biggest surprises, um, Princeton, obviously, there's always going to be a team that makes a run. Princeton made a run, I think it was the Sweet 16, arguably could have made it to the Elite Eight. They were hanging in most of that game. Um, notable thing, not a single number one seed in the Elite Eight, uh, if I'm correct. You are correct. First time ever. First time ever, not a single number one seed in the Elite Eight. But also, this goes back to what we've said on the show with you and I and when RT came on and Ellis came on. There was not a heavy favorite. You made that point clear multiple times. There were good teams, sure. But, I mean, throughout the course, even, even like, I, I tuned to college basketball. My, like, dialed into it night and day, morning and night. Maybe not, but the way the top five changed hands so many times throughout the course of the year, when it looked like there was a clear number one the next day, it looked like crap. You had Alabama struggling in the SEC. You had Houston. You guys got on me for it, but they lost. They got offensively shut down by Temple. So I, I wasn't crazy about them. Like UConn was in the top five that nearly fell out of the top 25 weeks later, pulled themselves back in. Now they're in the final four. There was not a strong, heavy favorite. And that proved to be correct as the tournament has since played itself out. So uh, we'll start here, Dennis. You're, I mean, before we get to the final four and, and championship predictions, all that, what are your biggest takeaways, your biggest surprises? Disappointment? The, it's not really disappointment. The number one, it, it's Purdue. That's the obvious one. Never before have I seen a team look as good. They were they were not ranked in the preseason. They were not supposed to be very good this year. They, like Everyone knew about Zach Eady, but they lost a tr- tremendous amount last year. They had very young point guards. They didn't know how they would develop. But they made it into the top 25, and they held the number one spot more than anyone this year. And when, I mean, if you want to say limp into something, they limped into the NCAA tournament. They should have lost the Big Ten tournament to Penn State. And they nearly did. Penn State couldn't get a final shot off. To I don't know if it was to tie or if they would have ended up winning. Either way. But to come out and look as lackluster as they did, all the credit in the world to FDU, Fairleigh Dickinson. They did exactly what every Big Ten team did this year to beat them. They took Zach Eady away from the basket. They forced Purdue to make shots. And by golly, they didn't make shots. And I just can't remember the last time a team played so well towards the end of the calendar year last year into this year to then really just get beat up. But you assume it's a good league. It's a deep league. They once again have the most bids in the NCAA tournament. But my, I mean, you can't, you can't lose to a 16. Let me, let I mean, me. We're talking, Fairly Dickinson, if it wasn't for, now I'm blanking on who would have, who won the conference, but because it's their first year in D1. Was it Merrimack? Who? Merrimack? I think it was Merrimack. It was Merrimack, that, but they transferred, so they weren't eligible. Yeah, they were ineligible to play this year. FDU shouldn't have even been in the tournament. Yeah. They had to play in a playing game 
and had to play in to get to yeah. the actual field of 68 uh or i guess field of 64 let's well, and and let me let me poke your brain on this one because i mean as as you would assume and i, I assume you were watching the uh the comparison uh was made to umbc being the first ever 16 seed to beat virginia rt you as well got on me before picking Furman to beat Virginia. And RT's rationale was that Virginia had been there before. They'd been embarrassed in the tournament. They're not going to let that happen again. It happened again. Um, but obviously the connection was made to UMBC being the first 16 to beat a number one in Virginia. And then Fairleigh Dickinson being the second 16 to beat Purdue. UMBC essentially demolished at least as much as a 16 seed could over a, over a number one seed. It was, it was very seldom in question throughout the course of that game. Fairly Dickinson was not smoking Purdue the way UMBC had smoked Virginia, but every time you thought, all right, here comes Purdue. Fairly Dickinson had a good run. Here comes Purdue. This is, this way they'd run away with it. Uh, uh, Fairly Dickinson turnover. This way they'd run away with it. Fairly Dickinson had an answer every single time. And to me, that's honestly more impressive. I mean, UMBC ran away with it, threw Virginia off the rocker when they beat them. Virginia didn't have answers to come back. They threw them essentially completely off their game plan. Whereas you saw moments of brilliance from Purdue where it was, that's why they're number one. And now they're going to come back and run away with it. And fairly Dickinson, every time that happened, they never let him. They never let him. And that, that was honestly more impressive to me than UMBC's victory over Virginia years ago. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, maybe you can make the case, make the case. So like you're saying, they, they had an answer because UMB, the game was over. There was no question of, is this going to happen? What, like, no, like Purdue's going to make the shot. They're going to like, they're going to get the turnover. Fairly Dickinson has never, these guys haven't played in something like this, this, you know, packed pressure. It's a, the game will go to Purdue's side, but like you said, it, they played a perfect game. They needed to play a perfect game. They played that perfect game. And like with Purdue, I mean, you can blame Matt Painter if you want. Robbie Hummel, former Purdue forward center, whatever the hell said this, like the buck stops with, painter he's the coach at the end of the day yes he has to take all the blame but when he's creating an offense that is getting open looks it ain't on him and it i mean it, to watch to turn obviously i'm not watching that game from the get-go who would but you turn it you look at that halftime score like oh it's a close game oh they're not going away purdue's not making a run what now you have to start tuning in now you're inside 10 minutes and it's like you said it's Purdue making a couple shots, fairly Dickinson, right? Oh, now here's a key turnover, and it's back and forth. In it, like they were, Purdue was primed because of Zach Eady, and teams not having enough time to prepare for him to make a run, and they did exactly what they needed to do. What every what every Big Ten team did, like I said, who had played him once or twice this season. Let me let me ask you this: It's impressive, but it's. Again, well, I, it says more about this Purdue team, right? I've never seen a team. Obviously, that's your your biggest disappointment. How how close behind is the disappointment 
of the performance of Arizona behind Purdue? It's tough because I stayed completely away from Arizona this year because they screwed me last year. Last year, I made two brackets and I had Arizona beating Kansas and Kansas beating Arizona. And to watch Arizona, who was probably a better team last year, look so lackluster early on and get upset. This year, the team was good, but kind of a quiet year. UCLA was getting that buzz towards the end of the year as the Pac-12 team that could make a run win it all. But Arizona won the Pac-12 tournament. They beat UCLA in that title game. I don't know how much you want to just chalk up to Princeton being ready. Maybe they're overlooking a lonely old Ivy League school. Uh, but it's tough because it's, it, you know, I love RT. RT bashes West Coast basketball relentlessly. There are times you got to put like, I'm really not shocked at this point. UCLA seems to be really the only team you can trust from the West Coast. I think Gonzaga and Gonzaga, if you like, they did what they had to do. I did not see that performance coming against UConn, but the way UConn was trending the three, the two weeks prior in those three games, it was like, okay, if they don't find a way to stop them inside, it could be a long day. And I mean, Gonzaga just got completely blown out of the water. Those are the only two teams that I would ever look at from the West and be like, oh, they didn't get out of the first weekend. Shocked. Anybody else? And as we get into the, the back end of the episode, I, I do have more questions, kind of like how you, me, RT, and Alice kind of dug in to kind of like more niche questions of the bracket. I want to kind of keep with that with that theme to an extent. Um, UConn smoking Gonzaga. UConn, and, and we'll talk about UConn's future as they're now a Final Four team. And like I said, getting into this, it's theirs to lose. Uh, did that say more about UConn or more about Gonzaga? I think it said more about UConn. I, it, I, like UConn in the first round, all right, we're not expecting um, – were they playing the first round? UConn oh. played uh, Iona. That's right. And we're losing. What? UConn was losing to Iona at halftime. Yeah. They ruined a bet for me because I had UConn money line. For both of us. Yeah, okay. So, uh, but then they blow them out in the second half. They have no problem. They get uh, semi-lucky. Well, not really. I mean, St. Mary's is just not equipped to handle UConn. Like, I thought St. Mary's was a very good team. St. Mary's won the WCC. They beat Gonzaga twice this year. But they're just too small. They don't have the presence inside to battle with them. Then I, I thought the better matchup would have been Kansas. I really wanted to see UConn-Kansas, but – Arkansas, like I mentioned, FDU playing a perfect game, plays a perfect game against Kansas, and their defense is able to cause enough havoc late, and they were knocking down shots. And that's kind of what got Arkansas on their run towards late in the year to get into this tournament. But then they run into UConn. (laughs) It's game over. It's another blowout. You're looking like, can they speed UConn up? Are we going to have a back and forth, you know, an 80-80-something game? No, completely shut them down. And UConn was hitting knockdown shot after knockdown shot. So and going into the Gonzaga game, I was worried as hell just because I had Gonzaga in the final four. I really believed that the presence of Timmy inside would be enough to kind of combat UConn's two bigs. No, there's too much firepower 
on both ends of the floor. And I, you watch that game and you have to just immediately see, even if Alabama won, even if Kansas state won, I'd be like, Alabama would be the favorite. Of course, they're the, the number one seed, but I'd be looking at UConn. Like who the hell wants to play them right now? Before, before we, and I, I mean, deservedly so, um, before we wrap up, I want to talk more about UConn, deservedly so. Like, it, it, and I've, I, I picked Houston a few, but the one I've, I've already won. Um, well, I'm going to have at least, the very least I can do in the pool that we're all in, um, where you're a booby bonanza, as you always are over the years. Um, at the very least, um, if UConn wins Saturday night, I am the winner, regardless of what they do in the final. Um, it's been a good year for me. Um, and I want to I want to give sing their praises, and I want to give our Final Four championship predictions. But also, Dennis, I want to I want to poke your brains one more time on another niche uh, bracket question. For the first time, like we stated, there's not a single number one seed in the Elite Eight. We have since in the last four or five years seen two number 16s defeat the number one. We've seen number 15 seeds have great success. Princeton, St. Peter's. Something in the water is changing, Dennis. I know the NIL. I know the transfer portal. I know this, that, and the other. What Something is happening. And in your opinion, what is it? Why is why is the bracket so much more difficult to predict? Why does only one person in the world, or why is there only one person in the world cor- predicting it correctly? Something is in the water. Something's changing. For better or worse, what's your opinion? Well, it's definitely for better. It's betterment of the game. There are more great teams. The hard part is, you know, and we'll get to the final four, it's a gross final four. I don't think it's going to rate very well. I think we might be in a scenario where the women's final four is going to be better than the men's solely because of who's in it. But we'll get that. That's not what I'm asking. No, I know that, but I'm leading to that to say it's too very easy. It's the transfer portal and the COVID year. There are still guys playing in their fifth, some in their sixth year because of COVID because of everyone getting that extra year of eligibility. So a lot of these teams are older. They're more experienced. They've been playing college basketball for much longer. Think about like a perfect example is Tennessee and Duke. Tennessee was gritty, aggressive. They're older. They have guys on their roster that are 23, 24 years old, bullying who might be the first overall pick in Duke. He's 19. We're talking about two completely different athletes here. So that's a big reason. And you see these works, and you look at the Final Four. San Diego State's used the transfer portal. FAU has used the transfer portal. They all have guys. They get guys. They recruit guys out of high school that they're not going to be five-star recruits, but they can be developed into a three, into a four, into a top-notch player, and they're not going anywhere because there's so much movement at the top with the transfer. Some of them will find homes. Perfect example is Kansas State finding guys like Noel, Keontae Johnson coming from Florida. But the portal has created a ton of movement and has allowed a lot of lesser teams, as long as they have good coaching, and like like San Diego State, but they're both coached very well. 
Miami's an example. They have guys that come and transfer in. They have guys that stay. So it's the one and done is still there. But those teams, they're not, those teams have never really found a ton of success anyway, in my opinion. And some of it's backed up by facts, some of it's not. But so if you are, if you are saying that the predominant reason why, and I, I completely agree with you that this is better for the game, makes it that much more fun, especially for the casual fan. If you were putting a lot of this on COVID restrictions and and what that did, obviously the transfer portal is not a COVID uh, thing. The transfer, that's always going to be there. It's going to be there for the foreseeable future, kind of how it's been more dramatic than, than years past. Now that we are outside of the COVID era, next year's tournament, tournament after that, two or three after that do you do you think we'll still see this kind of trend where 15 16 seeds can thrive where there is no no crazy heavily favored number one seed where teams like duke and north carolina or kentucky are not as relevant as they were once more it's going to come back you know, it'll come back down a little bit because this is we're kind of now entering the last year of these COVID kids, the kids that have used this extra year of eligibility. They're either most of them are pretty much going to be gone. These fifth and sixth year seniors that we're seeing and this is across the board, too. This is it, TCU makes the college football playoff. Why? Because they have guys that have been playing for five years. It's, 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 yeah, it's the same college baseball is going through it. There are teams that have come out of nowhere in college baseball. And it's because they got guys that are, they could, they're younger than some rookies in major league baseball. Or I'm sorry. They're older than some rookies in major league baseball because they're 23, 24 years old. They've been there forever and they've just gotten better and become, you know, but so I think it'll come down a bit, but I mean, it, there's always going to be those upsets. It's why this is the greatest sporting event that we have. It's but that first weekend it's, Duly named March Madness. It's madness. And it's, I don't think that'll ever change. But he, like even last year, the bluest of blue blood final four, Kansas, Villanova, Duke, and uh, North Carolina. North Carolina was an eight seed. Like there was only one one seed in last year's final four. So this year, I don't know. I, I didn't expect it to go the way it did, but. You start knocking out a lot of those teams to mid-major schools or to lesser opponents in the first round. And at these teams, I mean, look at, I don't want to discredit FAU, but until they got to Kansas State, who were they beating? You know what I mean? They didn't exactly, I know they beat Tennessee, but Tennessee was an up and down team. I don't want to discredit FAU, but I'm going to discredit. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so I, you know, yeah, let's 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 take that uh, as we wrap up. Let's go. Let's go to the final four again. San Diego State will play FAU. I believe that's a six ten, six fifteen, six oh five, whatever time it is, and then that will be followed by uh, eight forty nine. Uh, UConn versus Miami. Again, third time I'm saying I think it's UConn's to lose. Um, I I picked UConn because I didn't trust Kansas's road there. 
And if that proved true, which it did, no one was getting in UConn's way. Gonzaga, I thought they would, I thought Gonzaga, if anything, would give them a run for their money. And it was, that only just proved even more so uh, that that top five team that UConn had at the beginning of the season was still there and they were still capable uh, of being that team. Do I think, I, I think Miami can put up a great effort. I think, um, who did, uh, who did Miami, uh, they, they just beat last game. Cause they, Texas, Texas, previous to Texas, Miami, their three point game. Insane. And Texas knew that. And Texas shut it down. Essentially. Texas did not allow Miami to do what they did well the previous game. And UConn's going to know that as well. UConn's game is not necessarily a three-point game, although against Gonzaga, it, it looked that way. Um, UConn's big guys, I think our team made the point going into the tournament that it was going to be UConn's big guys in the paint that were going to get them, uh, not, not necessarily to the Final Four, but give UConn a chance to make a run. And in the, the toughest, in a matchup against the toughest team they played, it wasn't the big guys in the paint. It was their three-point shooting. And they're going to play a team that has gotten to this distance because of their three-point shooting. Um, so I think Hurley is going to know that. I think he's going to have a plan for that. I think you're going to see a first half that is exciting, that does have uh, changes. But Dennis, I... I don't, I don't see a way and how UConn doesn't win that. I'll shift gears really quick to San Diego State and FAU. Two great stories. I love the Aztecs. They've been, they've been phenomenal. They were a team that played against a team that a lot of people, myself included, thought could lose, which they were on the brink of it against the Charleston team in that first round. And then San Diego State were like, all right, cool. And they took it with it. And San Diego State has been nothing short of phenomenal. They've had their backs up against the wall. They've been by no means been controlling the games that they've been in, but they've found ways to win. I think the the run of FAU, and I can't give enough credit. I'm excited about them because they're going to be, obviously, my beloved Temple Owls Conference next year. I'll be able to get to go to games in Boca. I've been to the campus. It's, it's really, really nice. I think FAU's uh, trip uh, comes to an end here. And San Diego State Aztecs, deservedly so, will make it to a final where they will play the UConn Huskies. I'll leave it at that. I'll see who you have going to the final. We'll talk more on that. I'm rooting for FAU. I think San Diego no, State. Just to, be, just to be clear, so am I. I'm, I'm rooting okay. for Yeah, no, I, I, I got that. I'm really, I love Dusty. I didn't know who Dusty May was before this tournament, and I love watching him on the sidelines. I think he's a spectacular coach. Uh, but I, I think the defense of Sandy, the on-ball defense, they're not necessarily big inside, which is going to hurt them in their next matchup, So, assuming UConn wins. Uh, I, I think UConn at San Diego State will be in the title game. Or, I mean, it, I think it would be great if it was just Miami and FAU. That way, this little tiny part of the country are the only people that care. Well, I mean, everyone here wants that. Well, at least the people that are born and raised. Well, like, imagine if... 
And then it, anyone that is a college basketball fan will just root for FAU because it would be the Cinderella to end all Cinderella's. And let's be honest, nobody really likes Miami unless you so went to Miami. So your prediction is UConn versus San Diego State in the final. Yeah. So well then I will I'll say this here. I mean, I, you want to here? I, I did my championship pick. So who's going to be in there? So you start at this point, Dennis. Who's winning it all? Yeah, it, it's UConn. I, you've said it. It's their tournament to lose. They have been the only team to look flat out dominant in every one of their performances. Every single one. Nothing has come down to the buzzard. You've never wavered. I turned the Gonzaga game off where there was like 15 minutes to go in the second half. I didn't care to watch the rest of it. This team wasn't coming back. And I think that's going to help. I know there's rest in between, but these teams get gassed. They're hurt and tired heading into this tournament. This tournament does no favors to that. UConn has looked like it's the beginning of the season. And I think Hurley's done a tremendous job coaching. He has prepared his guys unbelievably well for every single matchup to exploit any and all weaknesses of their opponents. And hats off to him. It's it's great to see because UConn is truly a blue blood in college basketball. A lot of people kind of forget them. I, feel, I think it's just the Big East. It's you know, Villanova, UConn. You kind of forget about them because they're not technically in that power conference. But in basketball, there is six. In my eyes, the Big East is absolutely on par with the rest of these Power Five conferences, and UConn's a blue blood. So it's great to see them back in this format. It's good for college basketball. Yeah, I mean, they, they were in that. I mean, back to the days of the Big East tournament at, at MSG, where it was UConn, Pittsburgh, Villanova, Syracuse. Those were – who was it? Jay Wright, Jim Beheim, Calhoun um, – Pittsburgh was uh, Jamie Dixon. Yeah. Uh, th- that was, and, and it was always, there was going to be some combination of those teams in the final of the Big East tournament at the guard on a late Saturday night. And, but yeah, I'll get uh, Dennis. I mean, I, I probably, spoiler alert, the Yukon Huskies are, they have to be, they have to be national champions. It's the way it's set up for them and they deserve it. And, I, I picked them in this. Did I? Don't get me wrong. Did I do a few other pools as like a safe bet? Throw five, ten bucks in there and say Houston, sure. But the one that I want to win, which is the one that we are all in, I went out. You could call it a limb, maybe, maybe not. But I, I had to I had to go with the Yukon Huskies because not only the road that they were going to have to get there, but how that team has played, how they've proven themselves, what they were capable of. And this isn't to say it's, it's a done deal. Miami can come out. They've proven that they can. Mm-hmm. And Miami can beat them. San Diego State can beat them. I don't think FAU can beat them. If Miami could give them a challenge, San Diego State can give them a challenge. If they run to the to FAU, um, Florida Atlantic and the final, I think it's as good as done. Um, but just, I mean, obviously you and I being from Connecticut, it's cool to talk to people down here and they say, well, Matt, you're an Orlando Magic fan. Why are you a Magic fan? And I was like, well, when I lived in Philly, I liked the Sixers for a little bit. They're like, well, you, don't, you didn't like the Celtics? You didn't like the Knicks, the Nets, or any of that? I was like, well, when you grew up in Connecticut, 
and your dad went to UConn, and the men's and women's team, when you're eight, nine, ten years old, and you're an impressionable young, young man, and you live in the state with the best college basketball program in the country, why would you need to root for the NBA? UConn, in every facet, was was killing it, and they still find ways to do it, and they still find ways. And Hurley, is he a little weird? Definitely. Is he a little? Do I think he could tone down his antics courtside a few times? Sure. But UConn deserves to be in this position. It is their, it is their, their tournament to lose. And it'll be – it's not a done deal by, by any stretch. But they are the favorite, the heavy favorite. And, and I'm, I think the UConn Huskies are going to win the NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, Dennis, I'll, I'll give you the floor one more time as we, again, our next episode, the final four of the championship will all be all be said and done. March Madness, another one come and gone, another tournament come and gone. And then we will uh, get into Yankee season. We'll get into, um, obviously, one of our favorite episodes of the year, which is our, our live draft show. Um, but as we wrap up March Madness tournament talk, do you have anything else for better or worse that you want to throw out there? Two quick things, just that the tournament did not disappoint. It, it was locked in from Thursday at 12 o'clock for that first round action through that entirety of that weekend. Multiple games that you were glued to with buzzer beaters. I mean, the Furman game, the ending to that game. I mean, I'm assuming, did you see the Kevin Harlan clip where they were calling it live? Did we just <laughs> see what we think we saw? Holding Stan Van Gundy back. Right, right down the street at the Amway Center in Orlando. Yet, it's those moments that make this tournament great. And it, a multitude of those buzzer beaters, I think gambling added a tremendous amount to it. It thank added a little extra, a little extra juice. Thank, thank uh, you for, uh, for your support uh, during that. Of course, of course. Uh, sorry you didn't win anything. Oh, the, I'm Oklahoma City. I was what one point, one point away. No, you, 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 had one, you had two points. That was one. What was the other one? I forget what the other one was. Maybe betting was the other point. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it it didn't disappoint. It almost never disappoints. But I felt like this year was just. On another level. And then no. just quickly, it's tough to watch. I know, but the game, it, it it's very different. The women's final four this year has some unbelievable storylines. And UConn's not in it for the first time in a long, long time. But South, South Carolina is undefeated, and they ha- have a chance to do something that has not been done since UConn. And that what Dawn Staley has built and she might very well become that next Gino for women's basketball. Caitlin Clark at Iowa dropped 40 points and a triple double in the elite eight. It's the first time that's ever been done that many points or whatever. She did something along the lines that Oscar Robinson did. So it's the first time ever in the women's game. She tied some record for the men's game or overall basketball. But, and then you have Virginia tech who's never been there. And LSU, 
Kim Mulkey, legend from Baylor. She's not like there's storylines galore. And the most viewers a women's final four game has ever gotten is the 2013 Notre Dame UConn game. Many people believe it's going to bash that record. And I will not be surprised if we see it's all, it'll be tough because it's still the men's final four. You still have to, Miami's going to draw, UConn's going to draw. That game will do well. But if we'll see higher ratings for the women's final four over the men's because of the brands and the storylines that are here, the women's final four has the national player of the year. They have the person, they have both of the front runners. They have last year's national player of the year in Aaliyah Boston from South Carolina. They have an undefeated team. We have two, I you hate to discredit them, but they're two non-power teams. The nation doesn't care about San Diego State and FAU. It sucks for them, but they don't care. And UConn's a name, Miami's a name, but one of them will not make it through the weekend. And that's, I mean, and that's a good point. And I heard someone it else. sounds crazy, that. but I'm telling you, with the way the women's, are generating more and more viewers and the way ESPN is doing their best to market them. I think the numbers are going to be closer than people think. I don't, I don't think it will, but I can completely appreciate where you're coming from. And to that point, this will be like the, the, the companies that are going to be advertising during it, all that are going to be hurting a little bit because this is not a sexy Final four by any stretch at all. I think, no, I think it was Boomer and Geo a few uh, mornings ago that made that point. And they were like, unless you are a college basketball fan like us, even if UConn wasn't in it, I'd be watching it. Like, obviously, I'm a Temple guy, but UConn was my home, it was our home state. I have family that went there. I got money in it right now. And I'm, if UConn wins Saturday, I'm, I win the win the pool, so obviously I'll be dialed in. I'd be watching it regardless, though. But it's it's not going to be. I'd be surprised if we wake up Tuesday morning after the championship and it was record breaking numbers. To your point, so I I don't I don't see any of that. I don't and think it's, the, it's not a. It won't be a fair comparison to last year, because you had Duke in North Carolina, so. It's going to decline regardless, but I but by how much? Yeah. I think it'll be telling. I don't think the women's will will beat it. I think I think the women's numbers will go up just because of what South Carolina, to your point, has been accomplishing. I don't think it'll surpass the men's. The men's will be lower, but I don't think it will be surpassed. Um, I'd be so ballsy to say that Friday night when Iowa and South Carolina play that that will rate better than San Diego State FAU. We'll find out. I think Saturday Saturday night, I it's it's tough. I mean, it's Friday night, so a lot of people are partying, but it's still a weeknight. Whereas versus a Saturday, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. Well, we will see. Matt, the college football playoff is played on Saturday, and still nobody watches that. So you watch I'm just it. saying. You have to think about the masses. It's still college sports. It's not the NFL. Dennis, we'll talk about the numbers next week. I'm, I'm down to talk about it. Um, I think uh, we got to wrap up. I think it's uh, just about time to get on out of here. 
So much will be happening between now and the next Matt and Dennis episode. Yankees opening day, we will be 0-3 when um, we start. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I can absolutely see that. We'll be we'll be 0-3, and Aaron Hicks will be uh, 1 for 12 by the time uh, the next Matt and Dennis episode takes place. Garrett Cole's got an ERA of 14. Yeah, uh, can't wait uh, for all that to happen. Um, the Final Four, the championship for both men and women, will be over, so we will talk about all that. We will talk about so many overreactions, whether positive or negative, on Yankee baseball. And uh, we inch closer and closer to one of our favorites again, the live NFL draft show and our predictions, mock drafts, and uh, how many Coors Lights Brian Dable has had um, between. Dennis, anything uh, anything left to add? Yeah, I got excited when you said we inch closer and closer to, I thought you were going to say the Masters, but you decided to skip that altogether and fast forward a couple weeks to the draft. Guys, guys setting balls out. You bet your sweet patootie we're talking Masters next week, baby. That's already up. Great. Masters already already back. My man Taylor Gooch. Well, well, he won't be there because he's in this other, the Saudi Arabian uh, league. Live, yes, live. I don't know if he qualifies for the Masters. I feel like he does not. So, yeah, I don't think your boy will be in attendance. All right, so uh, we'll we'll be talking Masters uh, as well. We'll see if Scotty Scheffler can uh, defend his crown. Um, anywho, uh, we're on Twitter. Um, Dennis typically uh, posts a lot of our links to current and previous shows. It's at Matt Dennis Pod. Click the follow button. Anything you want to hear, questions you might have to get on the show, uh, reach out to us there. But all. All current and past shows are on there at Matt Dennis Pod on Twitter. Um, for Dennis Vinci, I'm Matt Scrano. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Matt Dennis Podcast. Enjoy opening day. Enjoy the Final Four. And we will talk to you next week about the Masters, evidently. <laughs> Dennis. Adios. <laughs> You're such a douche. Yeah, I know. How's it going? Yeah.